Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. I don't know about you, but Easter is a very fun time. Like, it's a joy-filled time for me. Anybody else feel that way? Like, I love Easter time. It warms my heart. Maybe it's because we're about to get out of winter, and uh, it's getting to be springtime. Things are warming up, and so you get a little excited about that. But but even more so, it's the fact that Jesus is alive. And, and I know like for most of us, we, we're like, man, Christmas time seems to be joyful. Like we associate Christmas with joy. And, and I think that's good. But I think Easter is even more so a joyful time. Like I, I love it. It warms my heart. It brings life to me. Uh, I get excited when we are in the Easter season. And maybe for you, I was thinking this week, maybe for you, you feel the same way. Like there's certain places or there's certain times of the year where you just feel joy. Maybe, maybe for you, I was thinking this week, maybe for you, the, the place that warms your heart, that brings you joy, are the aisles of Home Depot. Like that place just brings you joy. Now, some of you are like, oh, I'm a Lowe's guy. Okay, the aisles of Lowe's bring you joy, all right? Like, I don't discriminate. I, in fact, will pit them against each other to get the better deal, right? So, but maybe like for you, those aisles, they just bring you joy. Like you feel excitement. You're like, oh, this is great. This is awesome. I love going to Lowe's or Home Depot. And you might have gone in there with one or two things, like, you know, a drywall patch and a paintbrush. Like, that's all you went in wanting and expecting to do, but uh, you find yourself just walking down those aisles, and, and what do you see? You see the drills, you see the saws, and you go, oh, man, I could, I could really use another drill. Like, I've got a good drill, but, you know, I don't want to be in the middle of drilling something and midway through that drill break and I can't complete the project. So, of course, I need this drill. And so you buy that drill because you need a backup drill. And before you know it, you're pushing one of those orange wobbly carts down the aisles, right? Like that wheel always, am I the only one who has the gift of finding that one cart that always has that wobbly wheel? Like, it's crazy. Like, it's, it's, it's insane to me that I always seem to find that. But you're in there for like 30 minutes and you're pushing around one of those carts because you get lost in there. You went in wanting one or two things, but you come out with so much more. But maybe for you, you're not the kind of home and uh, Lowe's or Home Depot kind of crowd. Like maybe those aisles don't bring joy to you. Maybe for you, you're more of the Target crowd, right? Like first service, they were very much the Target crowd. Like that was it. Those aisles brought them joy, warmed their hearts, you know, bring, bring happiness to their lives. Maybe those aisles are what it is for you. Uh, a couple years and years ago, uh, Jen and I, we were trying to maximize our time running errands. And so the boys were much literal, littler at the time, which is why we're trying to maximize our time. You got to get them home for naps, things like that. And so Jen needed to get one or two things at Target. And so we we're like, well, we'll drop you off at Target and we'll meet you right back out front here. And so Jen, or so the boys and I, we leave, go run our other errand. We come back and Jen's not in front of Target. She's not there in the time that she said she's going to be there. So we call her, we're texting her, trying to get her attention. She's not answering anything. And I was like, all right, guys, we got to go inside Target. Mom is lost and we got to go find her, right? So we park the car, we go in and, and we're, we're looking for mom. We start at the cash registers and we make this long loop and we end up back at the cash registers, but with no mom. And I looked at the boys and I was like, guys, mom is lost. And they're like, you know, of course, being younger, they're like, what? You know, and they're, they're trying to justify like, well, maybe mom took the car. Like I said, no, I've got the only set of keys and she doesn't know where we parked. So mom couldn't have left. She's in this store and we got to find her. And Brody at one point just went, oh, come on, you know, and 
I just looked at him. I said, you better just get ready, boy. Like this is the training ground for the rest of your life. You better just get used to trying to find your lady in a store. Like that's what I told him. And so we start walking around Target and they start yelling, mom, mom, mommy. And all the people are looking at us like we're the freaks, but they don't understand what's going on. Like we've lost mom. One of them at some point yelled out, Jen. That's when I knew it was serious. They use her worldly name. So no, no longer was it mom. It was Jen. That's when we were in trouble. But you know what the, the reality is? You can get lost. You can get phone calls, text messages. You're just like ignoring it all because you're lost in those aisles. They bring you joy. They bring you happiness. You're just so glad to be there. It warms your heart. You go in wanting one or two things, but you come out with so much more. And the question I want us to think about today is when you walk down these aisles today, when you woke up this morning, When you tuned in today, what were you feeling? Because the reality is we all walked in here feeling something. We all walked down these aisles searching for something. And maybe you're here today because you're just here because it's tradition, right? Like it's Easter and church, they kind of go together, kind of like, you know, I don't know, fried chicken and mashed potatoes. Like they just kind of go together like you can't have one without the other, you know, or or maybe maybe you're here because your mom's just like, well, if you want to have a good Easter meal, then you need to come to church with me. And so you're here because you want to have a good dinner afterwards. Or maybe you're here because somebody invited you and you want to check it out. And you're like, yeah, I want to go to church. Whatever the reason you find yourself here today, you walk down these aisles because your soul was searching for something. You woke up today tuning in because your soul was searching for something. And I believe that is at the heart and the center of Easter. See, the people in the Easter story, they're not too uh, unlike us. Like they were searching for something. They expected one thing. When they walked up to that tomb that Easter Sunday morning, they walked up expecting Jesus to be dead. But God did so much more than they were expecting. They, they, what they were searching for, they found out that day that Jesus is alive. And so we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 16. But before we jump in, and kind of start talking about Easter this morning, I kind of want to give you a little context, a little backdrop of what's been going on. See, Jesus has been doing ministry for the last three and a half years, and uh, he has these disciples who've been following him for the last three and a half years, and they've given up everything to follow Jesus. They gave up their, their jobs, their families, their friends, their homes, their safety, their security, everything they knew. They gave it all up, and they followed Jesus. They went where Jesus went. They walked where he walked. They lived where he lived. They hung on the words that Jesus said and taught. They heard every parable. They saw all the miracles that Jesus performed. They gave up everything to follow Jesus. But then in one weekend, they watched as all of it in their minds came crumbling to the ground. Now, Jesus told them about his death, burial, and resurrection, but they didn't understand talked last week about how they expected the kingdom of God to come. They expected something, but they weren't expecting this, that their lives, they expected change in their lives, in their season, in, in, in their lifetime. But in one weekend, it came all crashing down. They saw Jesus arrested and dragged through a court system, that he was accused of things that he never even did. They saw Jesus dragged down in the public square and he was beaten and completely like unrecognizable. The Bible tells us that he was beaten so bad that the people closest to him didn't even recognize him. So Jesus was beaten. The Romans beat him. They mocked him. They made fun of him. They spit on him. And Jesus willingly laid himself on the cross and they watched as Jesus's hands and feet were nailed to that cross and he was placed between two criminals. 
And on that Friday afternoon, Jesus died. See, the disciples had more questions than answers that day. Their world was rocked. And after Jesus died, they laid him in a borrowed tomb. And a big stone was put in front of that tomb. And the disciples and everyone who followed Jesus thought it was over. But early Sunday morning, some ladies, they came and they brought some spices because they wanted to embalm Jesus' body. They wanted to see Jesus one last time. And that's where we pick up our story in Mark chapter 16, starting in verse 1. It says, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for, uh, for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. Probably one of the most understatements in all of the Bible, right? Other translations, they were amazed. Like, that's what's going on. Verse 6. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Can you just imagine the emotion of that moment right there? These women walk in expecting to see one thing. They walk down that road expecting to see a tomb with Jesus dead in it. But they, when they walked in, they saw something different. They saw that Jesus was alive. And I could just imagine them just running out of that tomb with just such excitement and joy at the sight of what they had just seen. They came there thinking all hope was lost. And they find out that Jesus is alive. Again, they walked there expecting one thing, but God was doing so much more. And today, I just want to point out two realities of Easter, two things, maybe to remind you, maybe for you to hear for the first time, but two realities of Easter as we're reminded that Jesus is alive today. And the first one is this, that Jesus died for me. Jesus died for me. When the Bible says that he was crucified, it speaks to the reality of Christ's death was for me. And you might be thinking, well, what does that even mean, that Christ's death was for me. Well, I'll unpack it for you by talking about death for just a few minutes. Because the first thing I want you to understand about death is that death is just a reality of life. Now, I think a lot of us, we don't want to talk about death, right? Like, it's not a topic of conversation where we're like, oh, isn't it so great? Let's talk about death. We don't want to think about death either, right? Some of us were like, well, isn't that what Good Friday is all about? Like, we're, we want to focus on that. We'll get to the good news of Easter, but we need to talk about death. Death is a reality of life. We're all going to die. In fact, death happens three different ways. The first one is we die physically. Every single one of us are going to die at some point. I read an article this week that talked about um, the odds of the most likely causes Americans can die. And the article said that uh, the odds of you dying of heart disease is one out of six. So one out of six people will die of heart disease. Now, some of us, we hear that and we go, okay, you might know somebody, might have, be related to them. You might have a friend who died of heart disease. And so for you, you're like, okay, that, that makes sense. The article went on to say later, it said that um, one out of 136,000 people will die by being struck by lightning. Now, that's pretty good information to have considering the storms we've just had over the last several weeks, you know? But that's an important figure in my house because my kids are always asking like, uh, are we going to die from lightning? You know, the storms are coming in. Are we going to die? And it's not like Jen and I are like, hey, go play out in the lightning. Like, it's fun to play in some storms, you know? 
We're driving, we're in the house. They're like, are we gonna die? I'm like, no, the odds are not in your favor. It's not gonna happen. How many of you do, do not like snakes? Like, I don't like snakes. I'm gonna put both hands up. Like, I do not like them, right? Maybe you're worried that you're gonna come and you're gonna meet a snake someday. Like, for me, I try to run over the snakes with the lawnmower. You know, that's just what I try to do. That's why I don't like them, you know, but, but maybe for you, you're like, you're worried about a snake and you're like, man, I think I'm going to get bit by a venomous snake and I'm going to die. The good news for you, you are nine times more likely to get struck by lightning and die than die from a venomous snake. So you're in there, you could kind of breathe a sigh of relief there. And you might be thinking, well, why are we talking about the odds of us dying? Why is this important? Why are we going down this trail? Because here's what I want you to know. Another good statistic, another odd is this, that one out of one people die. That's a very good statistic. You are going to die one day. The Bible even says in Hebrews chapter 9, just as people are destined to die once and after that face judgment, we all will die one day. Now, I know that that doesn't come to a shock to anybody here today. We understand the reality that we're all going to die. But the second reality of life might surprise you a little bit, might shock you. And that is that not only will we die physical death, but we will die a spiritual death. That spiritual death is a reality of life. Now to understand this, we got to go all the way back to the book of Genesis. And in Genesis chapter two, God creates the first male and female. He creates Adam and Eve. And when God created them, he put them in the garden to live and to live in a relationship with him. So Adam and Eve, they knew God, they loved God, they lived in relationship with God. The very reason human beings were created, the very reason you and I are on planet earth is to live our lives in relationship with God. God made us to know him and to love him and to be known and loved by him, to live in relationship with him. The only real significance and value you will find in this life, the only joy that you will experience in this life is in a relationship with God. And so God created Adam and Eve and he put them in the garden And they were able to enjoy a relationship with God, but there was one rule. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? But we know how the story goes. They ate of it. They ate of that tree. And and you might be thinking, well, if they died, then why is the book of Genesis not three chapters long? Why is it so long? What does it mean that they died? Well, Genesis chapter three, verse seven says, then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, I don't know how long Adam and Eve lived in the garden, but as long as they had been in the garden, they enjoyed a perfect relationship with God. But then God comes walking in in the cool of the day and they hide. They sow fig leaves together. Why? Because Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And because of that, they died spiritually. They lost this ability to have a relationship with God. The reality is sin destroyed our ability to live the way that God wants us and originally designed us to live with him. Now that's a big deal because that's why we were made. Meaning and significance in life is found in a relationship with Jesus. Meaning and significance in life is not found in money, is not found in prosperity, is not found in popularity, is not found in power. Meaning and significance is not found in the aisles of Home Depot, Lowe's, or Target. Meaning and significance in life is found in a relationship with God. 
And when Adam and Eve sinned against God, they died spiritually. Of course, we know they died physically. Death eventually entered into the picture. They're not here with us anymore. But in that moment, they died spiritually. They lost this ability to relate with God. Now, you might be thinking, okay, Nate, like the Easter story, Jesus rising from the dead, that's an old story. But now you're even going back to an older story. Like, what does any of this have to do with me? What does all this have to do with what we're talking about? It's because of what Romans 5.12 says. It says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Here's why all this is important. Ever since Adam and Eve, every person born on planet earth has died a spiritual death because of Adam. We come into this world dead to a relationship with God and very much alive to sin. Every single one of us has done exactly what Adam and Eve did. We have stepped over the boundaries that God has given us. We're not victims of sin. It's not our circumstance or a situation. We have all chosen sin. We all go, hey, sin sounds pretty good. And we have sin. And you might be sitting here today and you might be thinking, not me. I didn't sin. I'm a pretty good person. You just lied. So welcome to the club. Like you're with us, right? Like you're a sinner now, all right? Lying is a sin. Here's the reality. When you were growing up, did your parents send you to lying 101? (laughs) You don't have to teach kids how to lie. You have to teach them to tell the truth. You don't have to teach kids how to be selfish. You need to teach them to share. You don't need to teach kids to not kick, bite, or pull hair, right? Like they do all of that stuff naturally. It's in their nature. We in our humanity, we've sinned against God and our sin has separated us from God, which robs us of the very reason we were created in the first place. We inherited a sin nature from Adam. We come into this world broken, dead to a relationship with God and very much alive to sin. And so there's the death physically, there's death spiritually, and then there's death eternally. In fact, if you like math, here's an equation. Even if you don't like math, here's the equation anyways. Spiritual death plus physical death equals eternal death. Spiritual death plus physical death equals eternal death. We come into this world dead to God, alive to sin. We live lifestyles of sin, which separate us from the relationship of God that we were created to have. And if you and I are spiritually dead and then we die physically, what the Bible says is that we will spend all of eternity separated from God in a place called hell. It's ours We earn that. In fact, the Bible even says in Romans 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. We all know what a wage is, right? Like it's something that you earn. If you work a job and you get paid $10 an hour, you work 40 hours, you earn $400. It's your wage. It's what you earn. You deserved it. You worked for it. The Bible says that we have all sinned against God. We've all earned this. It's ours. And if we die in our sin apart from God, we die separated from God. Some of you might be going, well, come on, pastor, this is 2023. Like, are you kidding me? Are you telling me that you actually believe in a place called hell? That God's going to send people there when they die physically and spiritually away from him? You can't be telling me that you believe that. Listen, it's not what I believe this book has to say. If I just pick and choose what I think is true about this book, then I don't believe the Bible. I believe me. And what I've done is I've created a God in my own image. 
See, when Jesus died, he died for me. He took my place. He took my sin on himself. Mark 16, when it says that he was crucified, it's in the perfect tense. The perfect tense in the Greek language describes something that's already happened in the past, but has ongoing, continuous effect today. So when Jesus died on the cross, he died for you and for me. And I love what Romans 5 says. It says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for me. See, on the cross, God the Father poured out the sin of humanity. On the cross, Jesus took all of your sin, all of my sin. He took all of our thoughts, all of our emotions, all of our actions, all of our uh, uh, words, everything we did, all of our disobedience. And God the Father poured out the sin of the world on Jesus. And when he did that, the Bible says that God the Father had to turn his back from Jesus. He broke fellowship with Jesus. Jesus didn't die for you and me so that we wouldn't have to die. Jesus died for us because we couldn't. We owed a debt we could not pay. And Jesus paid a debt he did not owe. 1 Peter chapter 3 says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death but he was raised to life in the spirit. And so Jesus died for me. Through Jesus' death, I can be forgiven of my sins and I can be reconciled into a relationship with God. See, that which I lost in Adam, I get back in Jesus. Jesus came into this world to stand in the middle and do for us what we could not do on our own. And that is reconcile us back to the Father. Bring things back to the way that they were supposed to be. That's why Jesus said in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Here's what this means. Because of Jesus' death, if we put our faith and trust in Jesus, if we do what John's telling us and we believe in Jesus, which means to just have him carry the weight of our sin, past, present, and future, if we believe in Jesus, make him the center of our life, believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. If we believe that, put our faith and trust in that, here's what all this means. I no longer fear death because I'm forgiven of my sin. And by grace, I have a relationship with God. And because of that grace, I don't enter into an eternity separated from God. I get to enjoy the very presence of God. Death is now just simply an entrance to God himself. Death is not the end. Death is a new beginning. See, but if all Jesus did was die, we have no hope. The reason why we're gathered here today, the reason why we can sing the songs that we sing, the reason why we get up excited today is the fact that Jesus is alive. He didn't stay dead. All the religions of this world will point to the graves of their leaders. Christianity is the only one that points to an empty tomb, points to the fact that it's gone, it's vacant, nobody's there because Jesus defeated sin, death, hell, and the grave. And because of that, he rose again. And that's the good news of Easter. Yes, Jesus died for me because Jesus died and rose and is alive. There's real life for me. And that's our second thought today. 
Second reality of this Easter is that there is real life for me. Yes, Jesus died. But because of that, he rose again. There's life for me. Look again, verse 6 of chapter 16. It says, And he, speaking of the angels, said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. In fact, I love even Luke's description of this. He gives us kind of another camera angle at the scene. In chapter 24 of Luke, it says, And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee. What a powerful statement these angels made. He is not here. He is risen. I love the question that the angels give those women. Why do you seek the living among the dead? These angels are like, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Nobody's here. It's empty. Girl, he gone. Like he's out of here. Like It's empty. He's alive. I love that phrase. Why do you seek the living among the dead? And I think that's the question we need to consider this Easter. Where is it that you are looking for life among dead ends? Things that'll never deliver, things that'll never satisfy or supply you with purpose or meaning. We all go searching for living things among dead ends. The reality is we all have places or aisles that we go to that we think, man, if I could just do this, it'll give me life. But it never does, it never satisfies. We all go down the aisles of Home Depot, Lowe's, Target. We might spend a lot of money. We're, we get that dopamine of how am I going to pay for this, you know? We get all this stuff, but it doesn't bring life. Some of you, you're like gym rats. You're, you're there all the time, seven days a week. You even take those selfies just to shame the rest of us who didn't get up early and work out that night, that morning, right? And listen, you can go as hard as you can. You can work out. And you can do all of that. You can feel good after a workout, but you won't feel alive. We all go from relationship to relationship, hoping to find our heart a home, but we don't feel alive. We could uh, scroll through social media, hoping to find something that'll just wake us up, something that'll inspire us, make us feel better about our lives, something that makes us feel alive but we don't, it leaves us feeling dead inside. Listen, you could have all the money in the world. You could have Elon Musk money and still not feel alive. Better yet, you could be the most religious person here today. You could pray for hours on end. You could quote Bible verses. You could just listen to Christian music. You could come to church early, stay late, serve on different ministry teams. You could tithe over 10% and still not be alive. Why? Because you don't have Jesus in your life. Where are you looking for life at dead ends? See, all of us have places where we're searching and hoping to, for something that can never be found in dead places. And, and listen, it's not like any of those things are bad. Like God created us for relationships. Like it's good to have relationships. It's good to take care of our bodies. It's good to provide for our family. Like in and of itself, none of those things are bad things. It's just that they can't give you ultimately what you're searching for and what you're looking for. They can't provide what Jesus promises. 
The Bible even tells us in Ecclesiastes that God has put eternity in our hearts. That's why we all long for something more than just the job, working for a paycheck, trying to pay the bills, hoping to retire someday. We all know that there must be something more to this life than just this life. See, real life is found in the empty tomb of Jesus. That stone was rolled away that morning because they needed to know that Jesus is alive. I've grown up in church. I've heard the Easter story taught many different times. I've read the Easter story countless times. And every time I read it, I always thought, man, that stone had to be rolled away because Jesus had to get out, right? Like Jesus needed that exit strategy. Like he was there and he kind of gets up and he kind of like stretches a little bit and, you know, might have a little killer morning breath. I don't know. And just kind of like gets up there and he looks at this tomb and, and he looks at this stone and he's kind of going, wow, this stone's really big. And he starts knocking like, hello, I got to get out of here. Anybody there? Anybody can roll this thing away? Like, I got places to go and people to me. Like, can somebody just move this out of the way? But the more I've studied, the more I've learned that this, this stone was not rolled away for Jesus to get out. It was for people to go in and see that Jesus is alive, just like he said he would be alive. Amen. And maybe today you just need to be reminded that the stone has been rolled away. Because you need to see that real life is possible. Everything that you thought would lead to life, everything that you're pursuing that goes, oh, if I could just have this, I would have life. I would feel full. I would feel like purpose and meaning. Everything that you're pursuing that you think is going to lead to life, it will pale in comparison to the real life that Jesus offers us through his resurrection. That's why we've been playing these videos It's for you to hear testimonies of people who've experienced this life from Jesus. If you're a believer here today, we all have similar testimonies. We were all dead in our sin. We were all on the same bus, headed for hell, separated from God. But God stepped in with his great love with which he loved us and sent his son Jesus to live and die and rise again to forgive us of our sins. The whole point of this is not only would you hear the truths about Easter, but you would also realize that this is things that have happened in people's lives, that people have experienced this real life. Because the reality is you might be coming in here today going, man, I can't be saved. I'm too messed up. You don't know who I am. The, the, reason, the hope, my hope and my prayer has been that you would hear that there's no stone in the way. There's no sin in your life. Nothing is keeping you from the life that Jesus has for you. The only one who defeated death is the only one who can give real life. Jesus even said, I've come to give life and life to its fullest. Not a little bit of life, not a get by kind of life, but life to its fullest. There is hope for those who feel hopeless. There's peace to those who feel like there's chaos and they're overwhelmed. There's freedom and forgiveness found for people who feel like they've lost their way or made a mess out of their lives. There is real life found in Jesus. And so I don't know what you came down these aisles today feeling, searching for. I don't know what you woke up feeling this morning, this Easter. But here's what I can promise you. God has so much more for you and it begins and ends with Jesus. 
So have you chosen to make Jesus the savior of your life? Have you put your faith and trust in him? Have you believed in him? Is he the king of your life and of your heart? Or is he someone that you're like, well, I just need to get a little Jesus in my life. I'll feel better if I just kind of go to church and here and there sprinkle in some. But have you fully surrendered to him? Have you fully given your life to him? Don't delay. Do it now. And don't be like, well, pastor, this is good. I'll see you in a couple weeks. Got to clean some things up in my life. Listen, there's no amount of cleaning that you could ever do that will make you right with God. That's why Jesus had to come. That's why Jesus came. There's no uh, enough good works you can do, enough religion, enough morality that you could do that could save you. But it's by the grace of God. I don't deserve it. I can't earn it. I can't measure up to it. It's by the grace of God that we could have a relationship with him. And it comes by turning from our sin and turning to Jesus. Salvation is all a work of God. It's what God has done in Christ for us. So if you're a believer here today, we've got a lot to celebrate about. We've got a lot to sing and lift up our voices and shout and clap and be excited about today. Because Jesus died for us, yes, but he didn't stay dead. He gone. He's in heaven. And one day he's coming back for us. And so we have a hope that people don't have. We have a hope of an eternity spent with our Savior. But if you don't know Jesus today, you don't have the same hope. You will die separated from your Father. But that doesn't have to be the case. In fact, here just in a minute, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus into your life. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.